following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. I'm feeling the power of the Holy Spirit up in this place. Man, was worship incredible or what? We have an amazing worship team, but I'm telling you, God's presence is just in the place this morning. It's in this house this morning, and he's here to meet with us. He met with us this morning as we entered into a time of worship, and he's going to speak to us now through his word. And I want to talk to you today about something that is very near and dear to my heart. I want to talk to you about abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ through a heart of worship. Through the heart of worship. Worship is a very powerful part of the believer's walk with Christ. And I'd like to take you back to where worship started. I want to explain why worship is so powerful and important in our lives today. I want to walk us through how we get into God's presence on a daily basis and why that is so important. C.S. Lewis said this, it is in the process of being worshiped that God communicates his presence to men. Richard Foster said this, worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. I love that one. Let me read that one one more time. Worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Henry Ward Beecher said, I never knew how to worship until I knew how to love. A.W. Towser said, to worship God from the depths of the human soul is to discover worship in its purest form, unaffected by the world around. It's deeper than any mere human emotion. Worship is not just a song that we sing. Worship is our life, our, our entire life to God. Now, I'm going to talk about us entering into a time of worship and worshiping like we do corporately, but worship is not just a song that we sing. It's the very outcry of our innermost being that it comes from the very depths of our soul. You know, you can worship just by muttering words to God as you're, you know, you may be just walking through something and I mean, you can just start talking to God and you're worshiping as you're just communicating with God. Worship is the expression or it's the fruit of being immersed or emerged in the love of the Father. The more you know how much God loves you and you receive that love in your life, the overflow of that, the response to that is worship to our Creator, our Savior, our Redeemer, the lover of our souls. Worship is not a duty. It's not something that you have a checklist and you just check that off and it's, you know, hey, we did that today. That's not what worship is. It's a response to a loving father who desires to connect with us every single day. Okay, so Richie and I work together. My husband and I work together. Obviously, you guys know that. (laughs) He's my husband and my boss, so that's always fun. (laughs) Okay, so not, it's not always fun. (laughs) <laughs> I'll be lying if I said it was always fun. Um, but I'll tell you this. You know, we can be in the same room. We're working in the same church building, and I'm over here, and he's over there, and we're doing our thing. And we may see each other, and there's, there's, we may see each other, but there's a difference between us seeing each other 
and us having time, quality time and intimate time. Quality time is different than having um, that intimate time with each other, that we're really spending time together. There's, those are two completely different things. So we need to connect with God on an intimate basis. And Isaiah 26, 3 says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. How many of you guys know that peace is something that you can't put a price tag on? You know, the world has a lot of um, things. You can have, people can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have peace, you're a miserable person. Only God can download peace into your life. There is not a price tag to be put on peace. And he will keep, you, you will keep him in perfect peace, meaning God will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. So when, we've, when we're in our connection with God, we're stayed on him, he gets us in perfect peace. Because why? Because we trust in him. The more that we lock into the goodness of who God is, and that we know that we know that we know that he loves us, there's a difference between knowing with your head and a knowing that goes from your head to your heart. You know how the, you have that light bulb kind of experience, you know, maybe you were in math and you were doing algebra and all of a sudden, wow, you understood what that was, you know, how to do that, you know, math problem. Same thing in worship or in understanding a revelation from God. You can know it with your mind and you can read it and you can know that it's true. But once it goes from your head to your heart, there's a whole different uh, revelation that happens with that. So when we know that we know that we know that he loves us, that the word says when perfect love casts out all fear, right? We can trust him. No matter the circumstances, we can worship him. We want to worship him. He's good in every season of our lives. And when we start to get anxious and worried, we go back to Jesus, we reconnect with the Father, and he gets us back in perfect peace. When we fully trust in Christ, we will be in perfect peace. How many of you guys would just like to live your life in perfect peace? Come on now. Come on now. I would love to live every day in perfect peace. Actually, this morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, I was woken and I was, this, this anxiousness was trying to just attack me and I was feeling fearful about a few things. And you know what? I actually started quoting this scripture that I had, had prepared for today. And every time I, I would just say, Lord, you will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on you. Lord, I just want to focus on you right now. And as I was just trying to go back to sleep, I just kept speaking that word. And God just calmed my spirit in the middle of the night last night. You know God will do that. When we cry out to him, he is there. All we have to do is say, Abba, Father, and there he is. It's not, worship is not about how we feel. Because you know, if we, if we worshiped when we felt like it, we would probably never really worship, would we? Because every circumstance that comes our way, the enemy would just keep circumstances all around us and we'd just never worship because something else, this, you know, one thing after another would be up in our life and we would, not, we would not worship him because it's not about how we feel. It's about how good our God is. Can you trust him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you trust him? Yes, absolutely. The question is this. Do you trust him? Do you trust him?
I, I find that this is the question that I have a harder time answering because I know that I can trust him, but sometimes I don't trust him. I'm trying to figure it all out in my mind. I'm trying to work it all out in my mind. There's a problem. There's a situation. I'm trying to figure out how to fix the situation. Who else has to deal with that? Yes. So we try to fix it. We try to figure out how it's going to work out. And so what, we, what do we do? We wind up feeling anxious and worried and we don't, it's not a place of peace, right? But we can trust him and we can choose to trust him. And I, I, I saw this quote this week and I thought it was really good. And the same boiling water that softens the potato hardens the egg. It's about what you're made of, not your circumstances. That's really interesting, isn't it? So the same boiling water that softens the potato hardens the egg. It's about what you're made of, not the circumstances. How can that apply in our lives? Well, I have watched people who have... Um, two different sets of people who've walked through similar or same circumstances, and I have watched them walk through some things, and one person come out one way, um, soft and closer to the Lord, and have really let it go. They've walked in forgiveness. They have given it to the Lord, and they've walked through it that way. And then I've watched other people walk through it and not be forgiving, not letting it go, keeping and harboring unforgiveness, and they wind up building walls around themselves, becoming bitter and hard, and living a life that they really never thought they would. How many of you guys have seen that before? God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to live, us to live fully trusting in him. You know when his word, when he says that by, your, by his stripes, he took those stripes on your back that you're healed, do you know that he means that? Do you know that his word is truth? It's truth. You know that this word is completely filled with promises that are for you right now today. And the more that we take a hold of these promises and we believe them with all of our heart and they go from the head knowledge to the heart to the heart, we're going to start believing it and we're going to start seeing miracles like we've never seen before. But we have to believe them in our heart first. If we don't believe them, we will not see them. But you start stepping out in faith and you start believing, God, you said by your stripes I am healed. And I declare it. It may not look like it right now, but I'm telling you, I am healed in Jesus' name. And that's what you let come out of your mouth. You don't keep saying, I'm feeling so terrible. I feel horrible. I just, you know, whatever. Now, we don't just neglect the fact that there are circumstances around us. But we declare what the truth is more than we declare what the circumstances say. When we need a financial miracle, we declare that God is our provider. That is he who is our source, not our job, not anything else, but God is our source. And he will show up when we declare that he's a big, big God. He shows up in big, big ways. Amen. Well, let's talk about where worship originated from. Many of you may know this, but there may be some who don't. But did you know that Satan was the worship leader in heaven before he was cast down to earth? Worship has been a part of heaven ever since the beginning of time. And that's really hard for us to grasp because we can't even grasp the beginning of time. In fact, Satan was the most beautiful, spectacular angel that God had ever created. He, and he was our, the worship leader in heaven. Ezekiel 28 12 through 17 says this, Son of man, 
take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were a model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone adorned you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, crystallite, onyx, jasper, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mounts, mountings were made of gold on the day you were created. They were prepared. You were anointed as the guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God, and you walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, and you were filled with violence, and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you. O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and made a spectacle of you before kings. Luke 10, 18, Jesus is talking and he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And that's just another description of, of Jesus explaining what he saw when, when Satan was cast from heaven down to earth. A worship originated in heaven. It continues in heaven. And we will be worshiping our Savior forever. It's going to be an amazing thing. You know, it says we're going to rule and reign with him, but worship is going to be a huge part of what we do in eternity, in heaven. Isaiah 6 verse 1 says this, I saw the Lord seated high on a throne, exalt, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs or angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And Pastor Richie talked on this a little bit last week. But, you know, when, whenever the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with his glory. It's not like a tape recorder that's just repeating itself, repeating itself over and over again. It's not like that. It's God is revealing to them every, every time they're saying that. There's another revelation of his beauty, of his glory, of his awesomeness every single time. And then they're holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. It's difficult for us to imagine. But just think about how wonderful and how glorious it is when we're in his presence and it's going to be so much greater when we're in the presence of the Lord together. Every nation, every people group will be worshiping together forever. I think that's the most beautiful picture in all the world. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe worshiping our Savior forever. And as a believer, worship is going to be a part of our lives forever. So I hope you really like worship. <laughs> Now that we know that Satan was the one time the worship leader in heaven, I want to ask, what are your thoughts about how you think he might view worship, the importance of it? Just to think about that for a second. I believe that he understands the power of God's presence in our lives. And I think he would love to distract us from ever getting into God's presence. How many of you guys know how hard it is even just to get to church on a Sunday morning sometimes, right? 
How many distractions you have to overcome just to get here? <laughs> I mean, you know, something goes wrong or whatever. But let me tell you, God's, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. If you need joy in your life today, get into God's presence. If you need to be lifted up, get into God's presence. Do you know that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and to destroy? He would love for us to never enter into that presence of God. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Not a mere existence, but life that's to the full, abundant life. So I believe that he understands the power that's behind getting into God's presence and connecting to the heart of the Father. And did you know that we were made to worship physically? God made us physically to worship him. We were created, when God created us, he gave us something that nothing else in creation was, has been given. We, we were created with stringed instruments built right into our bodies. Does anybody know what that is? Our vocal cords. It's how I'm talking to you right now. There's little strings, little, little strings on my throat right here. And air is passing over. And as I'm talking, you're hearing my voice. And that's why it's so interesting how everybody's voice is different. It's unique. And I love that about God. He doesn't give us all the same voice. That would be so uninteresting, right? We've got high voices. We've got low voices. We've got silly voices. We've got all kinds of awesome voices. But they're all different and they're unique. And you know what? God knows our voice. When God created us, he created us because he wanted something that he could communicate with. That's why he created us. He says he was lonely in the God. He was lonely and he wanted to create something that could communicate back to him, but it was we, us being willing to, not just a robot that he could create, that we had to worship him, that we had to be in communication, but it was a choice, a free will choice that he put inside of us that we would want to communicate. You know, it's one thing when you have to do something. It's another thing when you get to do something. And the Lord wants us to communicate with him, and he wants to be in a relationship with us, but he wants us to want that relationship. He doesn't want to force it down our throats. He wants us to communicate with him because he loves us and he adores us. And even when Adam fell and all the things happened, he made a way of escape to where we could be reunited with him. And we could go boldly before the throne and talk to him anytime, anywhere, any place. And he's right there. So we have been given the ability to communicate with our creator, to talk to him, to sing to him, and to worship him like nothing else in creation has ever been given. Everyone worships. The question is, what do you worship? Some worship fame. Some worship money. Some worship material possessions. Some worship sports. There's lots of things that we can worship. That's anything that we put above God. But God's word says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will all worship Christ. If not here on earth, every knee will bow and confess that Christ is Lord. And the more that we become aware of the greatness of our God and how much he loves us, the more of our authentic response to that love will flow out of our lives into the form of worship. 
Honestly, I love to worship. I love it with all my heart. I, I wasn't on the stage this morning. I was right down here worshiping. And I'm telling you, God's presence just filled my soul. Just filled me all the way up. As we just cry out to him, I'm telling you, he loves that. He loves to inhabit the praises of, of his people. So why is worship important in your life today? Why is it important? I believe it's because it is the recognition that God is our everything. That everything in our lives comes from him and through him and that he is sovereign. And that nothing takes him by surprise and that you can trust him, that he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. He is always there and with you no matter what. And when we connect with God, that changes us from being self-focused to becoming like Christ. In that passage I read earlier about Satan falling from heaven, it was his pride that got inside. You know, pride can, can keep us from a lot of things. It can, it can keep us from saying, I'm sorry, once we've hurt someone. It can keep us from asking for forgiveness. It can keep us from, pride can hinder us from a lot of things. How many of you would agree with that? But if we will humble ourselves... It will connect us to the person that we've hurt or offended or whatever if you'll just say, I'm sorry. Well, the same thing goes when we allow pride to get up in our lives, we are not being submitted to God. And God just wants us to say, you're in control and you're so much better sitting on the throne of my life than I am. And I submit myself and my heart to you. I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do, Lord. And I submit myself, I surrender myself to you. But how many of you guys know it's easier to say that than it is to do that? We can sing and say all day long, I surrender all. And then we have a situation happen in our life and we're like, no, I don't think I'm going to surrender that. I think I'm going to hold on to that. I don't want to surrender that. You know what I mean? But we don't want to get pride in our lives and let that take us out. We want to submit our hearts and our lives to Christ. Another question I have been asked over the years is, is it important for me to express my worship to God? And I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to explain to you why. Now, I know if you guys that, you know, you may be observing what we're doing on the stage sometimes, and we're trying to lead you guys into worship. That's what we're called to do. And you may think, you guys look a little crazy up there. There's no way I'm going to be like that. Okay, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to express yourself to God the way that the Word of God it tells us that we should and that we just submit ourselves to God in a way that we are just, um, we know that it's not about us, it's about him. So I do believe it's important for us to express ourselves to him. It's just like if my husband never expressed love to me, I would have a problem believing that he really loved me. But when he expresses his love to me, I know that he loves me and he tells me and he shows me that he loves me. It's the same with our relationship with God. God really doesn't just want you telling him he, that you love him. He really would love it if you just... Connect with them at a little bit deeper level. So we talked about this earlier, but our tongue has the power of life and death. 
And the more we start declaring praises to our God, faith rises up in our hearts. And the more we speak our praise to our amazing God, the more we are reminding of how amazing our God is, we begin to build up our faith. You, do you know when, we, when we're speaking those words, when we're declaring, when we're singing out our praise, we're singing God's word over our life. And we're building up our faith. You can walk into a service like maybe you did today, and you might have brought, came, in, came in with heaviness or depression. But you start worshiping, lifting up your hands, praising God, and those things will start to fall off of you. How many of you guys know that that's happened in your life? I do that at home. If I'm starting to feel a heaviness or something, I just put worship music on, and I just let, and it just falls right off of me. Music changes the atmosphere. For the good or for the bad. And when we worship, we are inviting the Holy Spirit to come and fill this place. And he comes. God inhabits the praises of his people. Now, I just want to share a few scriptures that demonstrate, talk about some things that we do here as a church um, in expressing our worship. Psalm 82, I mean Psalm 28, 2. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Psalm 63, 4 and 5. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With, my, with singing lips my mouth will praise you. Psalm 134, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 9. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. 1 Timothy 2, 8. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Psalm 47, one, one of my favorites. Clap your hands, all ye nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. Second Chronicles 20, verse 22. Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. As we worship, we are letting the Lord fight our battles for us. How many of you guys know that the Lord can fight our battles a whole lot better than we can fight our own battles? So why don't we start choosing, let's start choosing to sing and praise and give it to the Lord and let him fight our battles for us. I want to start wind, winding down here with this last part about David. You know, David, if you've read much of the Bible, he is a man after God's own heart. And just listening to all the songs that he wrote, um, just reading those are amazing. And he would sit under the tree and play his either his harp or guitar, whatever kind of instrument it really was. But he would just write song after song and declare the goodness of God. And he was so close to the heart of God. And King David... Um, had a revelation of the new covenant, even though he lived in the old covenant. He really had the revelation of how much God loved him. And his response was extreme worship. Worshiping in such a way that he didn't care about his dignity or about what anyone thought or said about him. The Ark of the Covenant was God's dwelling place. It was the presence of God. It's where he dwelt 
back in the Old Testament with Israel. And he dwelt between the cherubim in this thing called the ark. And the ark had been stolen from the Philistines, and David had gone back to recover it. He wanted to get the ark back to Israel. He wanted God's presence back in Israel, and God's presence was in the ark. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, it says this, Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought the, up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. So every six steps, they're making a sacrifice. That's pretty amazing. That probably took them a while to get there. <laughs> um, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. Wow. While he and his entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, which was David's wife, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. You know that there are going to be people who are not going to understand when we engage in the heart of worship, because it doesn't make natural sense. It kind of looks a little silly, and, and we think it's extreme and crazy. Now, King David, I mean, he was the king of Israel, and he had, he could have been very prideful about, you know, when the ark was coming in. I mean, he, he was the top of the top, but he was such a worshiper. He did not care what anybody thought about him, and he set an example for his kingdom, for the kingdom Israelites to worship. David had a heart after God, and he had the revelation of God's presence in his life. When we get that revelation of God's presence in our lives, there's a lot of things that we will lay down in order for us to connect to God. It gave him the ability to worship with total abandonment in life. I would love to be at that place. There are moments where I feel like I have been able to get there a little bit, but it's just moment by moment, just a little glimpse here and there. But, man, where we could just not care about who's on our right or who's on our left or at home, we're just engaged in worship with our God. David said this, and we sing a lot of songs. Even the first song we sang this morning had parts of Scripture that David had written. It says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. My heart is for us that today that we would have a heart that says, Lord, I long for you. My soul longs for you. Just like the deer pants for the water, Father, I long for your presence in my life. I can't breathe without your presence. I can't do anything without you. I need you. You know the more desperate we are for him, the more that we call out to him, the more he shows up in our lives. Worship, once again, is the expression of being emerged or immersed in the love of the Father. And the more you know how much God loves you, you receive that love in your life, the overflow or the response will be worship to our Father, our Creator, our Savior, our Redeemer, and the lover 
of our soul. I just want to end by giving you the opportunity, first of all, you know, it's, you can't really worship. It's hard to really engage in worship if you don't know and haven't invited the creator of the universe into your life. So I want to, first of all, give you that opportunity, and I want to ask the worship team, if you guys will go ahead and come up. I want to ask if you just, everybody else, just bow your head for a moment, close your eyes. And I want to this has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit Amarillo Fellowship.